ever get the feeling that someone is watching you? That little itch on the back of your neck that's telling you you're not alone. Shadows seem to appear and disappear out of the corner of your eye, but you can't quite catch sight of who or what is there. It's easy to tell yourself that you're imagining things, but what if you had proof? Proof that you do have an unwelcome visitor among you. In the form of a handwritten letter. Welcome to Dakota and the Dark Side, a podcast where I guide you through true stories of the terrible and unknown. I'm Dakota Rivers, an Arizona-based drag artist with a love for all things dark, spooky, and mysterious. And wait, what was that? In the window behind you, lock the doors. The Watcher could be just outside. June of 2014 was a good time for Derek and Maria Bradas. The new couple had just purchased their new home at 657 West Boulevard in New Jersey. Yeah, that's 657 Boulevard. I promise that's not a mistake. Westfield is about 45 minutes from New York and is predominantly made up of families. Well-off ones at that. It was definitely a dream come true. The home was built back in 1905. It was lavish, with six bedrooms and arguably the gem of the street. A few days after the deal was sealed, Derek found a letter in the mailbox. Written on the outside, the heavy handwriting addressed the letter to, quote, the new owner. Inside was a typed letter, quote, dearest new neighbor at 657 Boulevard, allow me to welcome you to the neighborhood, it read. Sweet enough, right? Wrong. Very, very wrong. The letter continues. How did you end up here? Did 657 Boulevard call to you with its force within? 657 Boulevard has been the subject of my family for decades now, and as it approaches its 110th birthday, I have been put in charge of watching and waiting for its second coming. My grandfather watched the house in the 1920s, and my father watched it in the 1960s. It is now my time. Do you know the history of the house? Do you know what lies within the walls of 657 Boulevard? Why are you here? I will find out. Oh, and the letter gets much worse. Maria grew up in the upper class area that is Westfield. 657 Boulevard happened to be just a few blocks from her childhood home. Derek came from a middle class family in Maine and began working at an insurance company. They clearly liked Derek because he ended up being the senior vice president, a job title that helped them afford the $1.3 million house that was 657 Boulevard. The couple had purchased the house soon after Derek had celebrated his 40th birthday, and they had three beautiful kids together. All in all, things were going great. The Broadduses had only owned the home for three days when that first letter arrived. Remember how I said it got worse? Well... The letter went on to mention the family's Honda minivan and the fact that there were renovations going on in the home. I see that you have already flooded 657 Boulevard with contractors so that you can destroy the house as it was supposed to be, the letter said. Bad move. You don't want to make 657 Boulevard unhappy. Yeah, totally not creepy. The author also knew that Derek and Maria had children. Quote, Do you need to fill the house with the young blood I requested? Better for me. 
Was your old house too small for the growing family? Or was it greed to bring me your children? Once I know their names, I will call them and draw them to me. The letter went on to say some more creepy stuff before it was signed off by The Watcher, a moniker that would become all too familiar to the Broadus family over time. And if you're wondering what Derek thought of this lovely letter, he wasn't pleased to put it lightly. Keep in mind, Derek was alone in the house at the time. Maria and the kids were back at their old home, and he had just been looking things over and painting a room, that sort of thing, when he found this letter. Oh, and it was after 10 p.m., which makes this a whole lot worse. Other creepy stuff in the letter had made mention of watching through windows, so Derek raced inside and turned off all the lights to make sure that no one was watching what he was doing. Then he called the Westfield Police Department. An officer did actually come out to the house and looked over the letter. The officer asked Derek if he had any enemies and also suggested that he move a certain piece of construction equipment that he thought might be easily thrown through a window by the watcher. Very comforting, don't you think? Once he had finished with the officer, Derek went back to his wife and kids. He told Maria about the letter and the two decided to contact the previous owners of the home, John and Andrea Woods. Derek and Maria emailed them and asked about the watcher and who the person might be. Andrea replied promptly the next morning. Andrea and John had only one run-in with the watcher, and that was just before they moved out. Andrea said the note was strange and also mentioned the watcher's supposed family history of snooping on the house. But why had this person only left them a note just before they left? The Woods had lived in 657 Boulevard for 23 years which is also why they didn't worry much about the letter and had just tossed it in the trash. The Broadduses went to the police station the same day and were told by Detective Leonard Lugo not to mention the letter to anyone in the neighborhood. They were suspects, after all. The next few weeks weren't fun. Derek didn't go on a scheduled work trip, and Maria's eyes wouldn't leave the children when they visited the new home. One morning, the general contractor arrived and found that the sign that was pretty well shoveled into the ground had been ripped out overnight. But they hadn't gotten any more letters. Yet. Until, two weeks after the first one came another, and this time it was Maria who found it. Welcome again to your new home at 657 Boulevard, the watcher wrote. The workers have been busy, and I've been watching you unload carfuls of your personal belongings. The dumpster is a nice touch. Have they found what is in the walls yet? In time, they will. Uh, wait, what the hell is in the walls? If I got a letter that said anything like that, I would be out in an instant. Goodbye, investment. I choose life. In fact, when I moved into my current apartment, I had a people living in my walls scare within a week of moving in. It's a long story. But you can be damn sure I was ready to move out that night and go back to living with my parents. Anyways... This time, the letter got even more personal. The watcher directly mentioned Derek and Maria by addressing them as, quote, Mr. and Mrs. Braddis. Yes, they spelt their last name wrong, but that actually makes it worse in my opinion. It's as if they were hiding in the bushes and heard the name being said, and they wrote it how they believed it was spelt. The watcher also now knew the names of the three kids and their nicknames. Remember when I said Maria was watching her kids like a hawk? Well, when they would disappear into a part of the garden that she couldn't see them in, she would call out their names. Quote, 
I am pleased to know your names now and the names of the young blood you have brought to me. 657 Boulevard is anxious for you to move in. It has been years since the young blood ruled the hallways of the house. Have you found all of the secrets it holds yet? Will the young blood play in the basement? Or are they too afraid to go down there alone? I would be very afraid if I were them. It is far away from the rest of the house. If you were upstairs, you would never hear them scream. The watcher then asked about where the kids would sleep, but also assured the broadesses that he or she would know soon enough anyway. Quote, All of the windows and doors at 657 Boulevard allow me to watch you and track you as you move through the house. Who am I? I am the watcher. I have been in control of 657 Boulevard for the better part of two decades now. The Woods family turned it over to you. It was their time to move on and kindly sold it when I asked them to. As usual, insert some creepy stuff before it was signed off. Have a happy moving in day. You know I will be watching. After this, Derek and Maria didn't take the kids over to 657 Boulevard, and they were at the stage where they didn't actually know if they were going to move into the house. And since the watcher is always watching, the third letter that showed up weeks later read, quote, Where have you gone to? 657 Boulevard is missing you. Maria and Derek were obviously racking their brains as to who could be behind this. They theorized that maybe it was someone who had lost out on purchasing the house and was mad about it. Multiple offers had come in on the house, but it hardly seemed like something to harass a family over. The letters didn't offer many clues, but it was safe to say the person was indeed around. They had gone through the U.S. Postal Service's distribution center in northern New Jersey, and the date on the first letter meant it was sent before the sale was public knowledge. The other curious thing was the renovations. Other people on the street hadn't noticed any crazy obvious work being done, no loud jackhammering or hordes of workers, but still, the watcher knew. A few days after the first letter had shown up, the family had gone to a barbecue in the neighborhood to get to know their new neighbors and, of course, keep an eye out for anyone being a weirdo. This is when the Langfords enter the story. Derek had been chatting away with John Schmidt, a man who lived a few houses down, and the subject of the family came up. The Langfords happened to live between them. John explained that the family was a bit strange but harmless. Peggy Langford was nearing 100, and a bunch of her 60-year-old children still lived with her. Michael Langford was described as a kind of Boo Radley-type character. This is when things began to click into Derek's brain. This made so much sense. The Langford home was right next door, which would give them access that other people didn't have. They'd been there since the 60s, which correlated with when the Watchers had his family had started watching 657 Boulevard. Michael was apparently brought in for questioning, but he denied knowing anything about the letters. But Leonard Lugo wasn't so convinced. Regardless of what Derek or Leonard believed, authorities would need actual evidence to do something about the letters. The police chief told the couple that unless someone confessed, his hands were tied. Derek was very frustrated at this point. He felt his kids were in danger, and he was getting the whole, most likely nothing will happen response from the police. Derek became obsessed after this with trying to figure out who the Watcher was. He put up cameras around the house and would watch them live, waiting for someone to emerge from the shadows. Derek also got information on all of his neighbors, focusing on when they had all moved in. The Langfords were the only ones who had moved in in the 60s. 
The Broadduses also hired a private investigator who focused on the Langford members. He didn't find anything to write home about, though. In addition to the private investigator, Derek contacted some people he knew in the FBI, and it was recommended that former housekeepers or their children be looked into. This was due to the extreme anger in the letters directed at those who were wealthy. This didn't shift focus from the Langfords, though. The Broadduses were instructed to send a letter to them mentioning tearing down 657 Boulevard, hoping that this would cause some kind of reaction. But it didn't. Michael Langford was interviewed a second time, but this too didn't reveal anything. Derek was pretty set on Michael being the culprit, and the Broadduses ended up hiring a lawyer who met with various members of the Langford clan to go over evidence. Big shocker, it didn't go down well at all. Despite looking at a few other possible suspects, the investigation had slowed down to a standstill by the end of 2014. The family needed to make a decision now. They couldn't just keep the house and not move into it. To ease their concerns, a new alarm system was set up, and it had reached the time when all renovations were complete. But the water seemed to be deteriorating. Quote, 657 Boulevard is turning on me. It is coming after me. I don't understand why. What spell did you cast on it? It used to be my friend, and now it's my enemy. I am in charge of 657 Boulevard. It is not in charge of me. I will fend off its bad things and wait for it to become good again. It will not punish me. I will rise again. I will be patient and wait for this to pass and for you to bring the young blood back to me. 657 Boulevard needs young blood. It needs you. Come back. Let the young blood play again like it once did. Let the young blood sleep in 657 Boulevard. Stop changing it and let it alone. Six months after the first letter arrived, the decision was made to sell the house. Since renovations had been done, it was initially put on the market for a higher price than what they had bought it for. Like any town, though, rumors had begun to float around. No one knew exactly why the house hadn't been moved into, and this led to rumors ranging from sexual predators to stalkers. Derek and Maria fully intended on telling potential buyers about the letters and planned to show them to anyone who had their offer accepted. Because, you know, they're decent people. But as soon as anyone saw the letters, the offers fell through. I can't say that I blame them for that. In later 2015, the Broadduses filed a lawsuit against the Woods for not having disclosed the letter that they had received to them before they purchased the home. This suit was thrown out in 2017, though it was this lawsuit that brought the story to many people's attention, and some more rumors began to pop up, but this time it was about the Broadduses. Some even theorized that the letters had been written by Maria and Derek, or maybe just Derek, to get out of buying a house that they couldn't afford. In 2016, the Broadduses had apparently looked into the possibility of redeveloping the house. In order for this to happen, it would need to be torn down. The Watcher somehow heard about the plans, and he or she wasn't too thrilled. Quote, Maybe a car accident. Maybe a fire. Maybe something as simple as a mild illness that never seems to go away, but makes you feel sick day after day after day after day after day. Maybe the mysterious death of a pet. Loved ones suddenly die. Planes, cars, and bicycles crash. Bones break. And you wonder who the Watcher is? 
turn around, you idiots, was also added in for good measure. Mr. Watcher clearly didn't like the idea of repurposing the home. In December of 2017, several families in the neighborhood received an anonymous envelope in their mailboxes. Similar to some of the Watcher letters, these had no postage, suggesting that they had been hand-delivered. The letters accused the neighbors of speculating about the Broadus family inaccurately and criticized them for it. All of these notes were signed, Friends of the Broadus Family. These letters came on the heels of a decision made by the zoning board to allow a split in a property not far from 657 Boulevard, a decision that definitely upset the family as they themselves had been denied for the very same request when they had attempted to split their property in an attempt to evade further harassment. I mean, no house, no watcher, right? As it turns out, Derek himself had written this set of letters. Bad luck, Derek. Bad luck. But I can sympathize. Constant harassment over the years, accompanied by scrutiny from those around you, can wear on the psyche. And Derek says he regrets his actions. I personally don't think that this alone definitely means that he or Maria made up the Watcher at all. One of the other prevailing theories is that the whole Watcher scenario was a ploy by the family to get a movie or TV deal. You know, the whole make up a spooky ghost story, sensationalize it, sell the rights to a studio, and then profit. It is true that Netflix bought the rights to the story in late 2018, so yeah, if you want to believe that a young family risked multiple thousands of dollars, their reputation, their sanity, their children's social lives, all for the slim, slim chance of profiting from silver screen success, then I guess you can say this is proof? As for me, I don't think this is very likely at all. But as I've said before, I'm not much of a gambler. Well, in 2019, 657 Boulevard sold for $440,000 less than what the family had supposedly originally paid for it. And until now, it's unclear whether the new occupants have received the same treatments that the Broadduses did. Derek outright denies the claims that he or Maria wrote the letters, and it is clear that the two have been consumed by the situation. The Watcher's obsession with 657 Boulevard had turned into Derek's obsession with the Watcher. It is hung like a phantom till this day. We still don't know who they were. Was it Michael Langford? Was it the Broadduses themselves? Or maybe it was somebody hiding in plain sight. The final letter was signed off, quote, you are despised by the house. And the Watcher won. Next time on Dakota and the Dark Side. Traveling can be such a nightmare. The planning, the expenses, even worse if you miss your flight. But it could always be a lot worse. You could accidentally slip into another dimension. Like the man from Torrid did. I have a full season of mysteries, murders, and spooky tales to share with you. 
But if you have any suggestions or personal stories that you would like to share, feel free to send me a DM on Instagram at DATDPod. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter, both at DATDPod, for regular show updates. If you enjoy the show, please rate and review on your podcast provider. It really helps out a lot. A list of resources is available in the episode description. See you soon, Darksiders. Darksiders.